0: Father, we thank you. You've you've called us to be your children. We probably take that for granted. Help us today to understand more of what it means to be your children. And we ask this through Christ. Amen. Please be seated. I think there's a point where you can be grateful to God and not be a follower of God. But I find it hard to believe that you can be a follower of God and not be grateful to Him. I find it hard to believe that you can be a follower of God and not be filled with gratitude to God. And in some ways, gratitude is is at the foundation of what it means to be a follower of God, what it means to be holy, what it means to be living in, in the presence of God. Because gratitude is rooted in humility that declares God has done something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And we want to say thank you. There is something about gratitude that expresses a realization that God is greater and that the best thing we can do is to surrender whatever we have, whoever we are, to him. We tend to, to think about gratitude in two categories. One is we we feel gratitude about things that that we are prevented from experiencing. And... We feel gratitude when we are rescued from things that we do end up experiencing. The first dynamic of things that we we give thanks because we didn't have to go through that, I think the difficulty for us is that we often forget that God is doing so much behind the scenes that we don't even realize. We ought to wake up every morning and say, God, I don't know what you did yesterday to spare me, but thank you. And to acknowledge that. And on the other side of it, we we have a tendency when problems come to us and God doesn't react as soon as we would like. We have a tendency to accuse God and turn on God. And sometimes to think when it's solved, we had a lot more to do with it than he did. We tend to forget to be grateful. I think the Israelites tend to forget to be grateful too. That's why over and over and over again, the writers of Scripture, of the Old Testament, keep reminding them. And Psalm 136 is one of the places where they're reminded. We really have very little information about this psalm. It doesn't tell us who wrote it. It doesn't tell us when it was written. It doesn't tell us what kind of uh, incident might have spurred it being written. We don't know the chronological time of it being written we just have this psalm. And maybe that's better because it doesn't limit it to a person or to the context of a particular event. It's just a universal adoration. A universal psalm of praise. The Jews tend to call this the great hallel. The great praise, the great psalm of thanksgiving and praise. And in this psalm, they are reminded of who God is. I get the feeling when I read this psalm, because it references a lot of the things related to them just coming out of Egypt, that maybe this is a psalm that God gave to someone to write to, to help the Israelites know who he is. He, he's new to them. They don't understand who he is. They, they've forgotten all their years in slavery about some of the ancient stories. And, and they haven't had the kind of connection with God. And here he has called them out. And, and they're trying to figure out who he is. And this psalm gives them some sense of that. And as they go through the desert, as they prepare for all that God wants to give them, it's a way of reminding them. But down the road, they need to continue to be reminded as well, as do we. And what does the psalm tell us? It begins by saying, give thanks to the Lord. First three verses, give thanks to the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, give thanks to the Lord. And the last verse, give thanks to the Lord. It's how it begins, it's how it ends. Give thanks to the Lord. Be people full of gratitude. Why? Because every good thing you have is from God. Every good thing that's happened in the world in your life is from God. Verse, up to the verse 9, he talks about how God has created He's created the sun, the moon, the stars, all the things of the earth. God has created all of it. Everything that in this world is created order that blesses us and encourages us and inspires us is a gift of God. It's all there because of God. The, 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 the thousands of different kinds of flowers are from God. All them kinds of animals are from God. And it's not just about inspiring us. I think he wants us to understand that that life is not randomness. Life has order. There is createdness. There is a creator. And because there is a creator, you and I have purpose and significance and meaning and value. We are not just We don't just randomly appear. We are a part of God's creative plan. And there is significance to that. And the rest of the psalm is describing how God has rescued Israel. He's not just the creator, he's the rescuer. And he talks about how he has rescued them from Egyptian slavery and brought them out. And once they come out, then as the, Israel, as the Egyptian army chases them, God takes care of that. As the kings are in, in, around them attack them, God takes care of that. And he rescues them. As you read through that psalm, some of it makes us a little bit nervous. It, you know, it kind of offends our 21st century sensibilities to have a, a psalm about God has killed kings. God has buried Pharaoh and his army in the sea. We kind of go, ooh, I don't know if I want to sing a song about that. Part of that is, some people will say, well, it's because the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament. No, it's, it's the same God. The context is different. The experiences might be different. It's the same God. What we need to understand is that uh, Pharaoh, his army, Sihon, uh, uh, the king, of and, and Og, these kings, are they are not innocent bystanders to Israel happening to live in that time. They are ruthless oppressors. They create a sense of anxiety and fear in Israel. Their goal is to enslave Israel and to attack Israel and to eliminate God's people, God's covenant people. And God doesn't always do this throughout Israel's history. But here at the beginning, he steps in, he rescues them, and he ends the threat so that Israel doesn't have to look over their shoulders all the time wondering if the, when the Egyptian army is going to show up and drag them back, they're done. We still might say, well, maybe they shouldn't sing so joyously about it. Let me ask you this. If, you, if there was a, a ship out in, out in Lake Erie filled with people Maybe some of your family members who had been kidnapped and were going to be trafficked somewhere. And the authorities found out about it and, and took over the ship. And in the process of that, eliminated all of the captors. When those people came off that boat and you saw your family, is your thought, oh, I'm sorry, they had to eliminate the captors? Or is your thought joy that your family is safe? And all of these people are safe from horrendous things. It is a celebration of what God has done in rescuing. And God has rescued us from our enemies, from our great enemy, and set us free. And we celebrate that, and we give thanks to God for that. It's not that we've done something so great to set ourselves free. It is that God has set us free. And ultimately, we give thanks because God who does all of this, who brings all this good into the world, into our lives, it's because his love endures forever. Translation, different uh, translations word that repeated phrase differently. His love endures forever. His, His love never ends. The message says his love never quits. There's something about that that strikes a nerve with me. Because we all experience Love quitting. We've quit loving other people. People have quit loving us. We know the pain and the agony of of people saying you're too much. It's too much baggage. You bring too much into this. I can't handle it. You're 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 too you're too clingy, you're too distant, you're too sensitive, you're not sensitive enough. You know, we we have all of these things in our relationships that drive us away from each other. And we know that pain and agony of someone saying, I don't really love you anymore. I don't want to be around you anymore. I'm not all excited about being your friend anymore. Whatever the context may be. And the psalmist wants us to understand, God never does that. God's love never fades. God's love never grows weaker and it doesn't grow stronger because it can't grow any stronger. It's perfect. God doesn't weary of us. God doesn't tire of us. God doesn't give up on us. Even though, like Israel, we give God so many reasons to give up on us. You know, Israel comes out of Egypt probably less than a month, and they're whining and complaining, it's too hot, we don't have enough food to eat, we don't have water to drink. And and eventually they say to Moses, we were better off as slaves in Egypt. Who wants to go back to Egypt? Really? To that oppressive slavery, you want to go back? That's better than this? That's how much they have turned on God. And what does God do? His love endures forever. His love doesn't quit They build a golden calf and they bow down and worship. it. This is the God who brought us out of Egypt. And while God disciplines them, because that's what love does, his love never quits. As the years follow and they reject God, his love never quits. And you and I sit here this morning with all kinds of things going through our minds of ways when we've come to forks in the road. God's way, our way, we've taken our way. I suspect even this morning, some of us are sitting here realizing this week, I took my way. And we hurt one another, and we reject God, and we turn from God, and we accuse God. The list goes on and on and on. And the scripture tells us again and again and again, God's love never quits on us. And that's what John is telling us in his, his first epistle. He says, this is love, not that we love God. But he loved us and sent Christ. Why? Because we've rejected God. And Paul tells the Romans, while we were yet sinners, God sent his son. He loves us. He's for us. We give him thanks for that. We worship him. We celebrate him. Whose love never quits. Never gives up, never fades. It's never different. This is God. The psalm is recited during Passover, and primarily because it one reason it takes them back to the events surrounding Passover is that God rescues them and makes them a nation. But also Passover is a time to remember. To remember what God has done. To remember where God has brought them. And out of that remembering. Hopefully to instill within Israel as a people. A deeper level of trust for God. Because the one who makes all these great great promises. Keeps them. Everything God has done. Matches up with everything God says about who he is. And that's why we bring come to the table today. We come to this table to remember. Jesus says, every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Remember what I've done for you. And this table is not just about remembering. It is so much more, so much deeper. There's so much going on that we find hard to understand as, as we come and, re, and eat the bread and drink the cup. But one of the things that is happening here is Remembering. Remembering God's love for us in Christ. And that's why through history, the liturgical prayer that is used in most formal churches when communion is served is called the great thanksgiving. Because it is a time to remember to give thanks. I read somewhere recently that someone said that love is, God's love is like the sun. The sun only shines. That's all it does. It shines. And when it shines, it brings light and warmth, but it just shines. And God only loves. Everything God does is out of his nature and his character of love. When he disciplines us, it's because he loves us. When he works in the world, it's because of his love. Everything God does, every part of his being is about his love. And like the sun, you can get away from the sun. We can go into an underground room that has no windows and no access to the earth, to the sky at all. And it's completely dark, but the sun's still shining. And we can run from God, we can reject God, we can turn on God, we can accuse God but God keeps loving because his love never ends. I'm going to take just a few moments this morning to ponder some of the reasons why we should give thanks. Thinking about what God has done in our lives, maybe some things that God has prevented them from happening, maybe some things that God has done to rescue us out of circumstances we had no right to be rescued from. Certainly for Christ. In these few moments of silence, let's ponder together some reasons for giving thanks to God who is good and whose love endures forever. Blessed are you, Lord our God, creator and sovereign of the universe. You made us in your image. And though we all have sinned and fall short of your glory, you loved the world so much you gave your only son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, To proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners, and won for you a new people by water and the Spirit. He suffered and died for the sin of the world. And you raised him from the dead that we too might have new life. He ascended to be with you in glory. And according to his promise is with us always. We remember the night he offered himself up for us. And he took bread he gave thanks to you and broke the bread. And gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. On the day you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of the bread and in the power of your Holy Spirit, your church has continued in the breaking of bread and the sharing of the cup. Therefore, in remembrance of all your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we ask you to accept this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, which we offer in union with Christ's sacrifice for us as a living and holy surrender of ourselves. Send the power of your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts that in the breaking of this bread and the drinking of this cup we may know the presence of the living Christ, that we may be one body in him cleansed by his blood, that we may faithfully serve him in this world. And that we may look forward to his coming in final victory. Through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours. Almighty God, now and forever. Amen.